0: Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits.
1: All right, Joel Byers, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Great. So I'm trying a new format for the podcast here. Uh, Hopefully, by the time this comes out, I'll have my professional voiceover voiceover artists do my intro so I don't have to waste intro time during the podcast. So we're, we're, we're giving it a trial run here. So Ooh, um, I'm honored
0: to be the first, Scott. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I got to say, Joel, um, I have been living in the Joel Byers universe for the last few weeks here. I mean, you you are uh, part of my life now. The Hot Breath podcast, <laughs> your trophy has been special. I just been, I, I, I think I know who you are now. <laughs> 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 that means the world to me we we call it the joeliverse yeah so
0: welcome aboard
1: yeah i was disappointed you came to south bend uh which is right by where i live and actually did a class here a few months ago and i was i think i was out of town visiting my grandson or something like that when you were here and i was disappointed i had to miss that but i understand you had a really good uh run at the drop there so congratulations for that <laughs> Oh, thank you. I had a blast up there. Yeah. We were able to do, I I was headlining
0: there all weekend and I was able to meet up with uh, the club owner and we did a actual like comedy workshop
1: at our house for local comics. So yeah. it was a lot of fun. Some of the guys that were in the class are friends of mine and they said you did a good job. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I like to talk to everybody about, first of all, how you got started in comedy. So what, what was it that got the spark in you to get started?
0: Uh, well, I actually started second semester of my senior year in college when I realized I had nothing else to lose because Sally May took it all. So uh. I decided I'd always wanted to try stand up. And then I realized, why not? What is what's the worst that could happen? So I went to a local comedy club performed in front of about 10 people. Half of the half of those were the staff. Mm-hmm. And, um, I didn't kill, but it went well enough to make me want to come back. So I remember people smiling, politely listening. And after that I was hooked and I'm sure anyone listening, I, I know you as well from listening to your podcast, you've got the bug yeah. where it is like, once you do it once you, that's all you want to do.
1: Yeah. Everything seems to be revolving around, uh, getting on stage. <laughs> exactly yeah that, that's the bug yep i'm doing a thing tonight where i introduce myself as a stand-up comic and say that uh i do have a real job but uh, I, I identify as a stand-up comic so
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're our own breed for sure
1: yeah so you've been in this for over 10 years now and um mm-hmm. uh, obviously you have Produced your own special, which I want to talk about a little bit later. At what point during your career was it okay for you to do comedy? And that was your job. It took me about maybe seven years In I went full
0: time, but mm. the process was very gradual. So like, well, first off, when I graduated college, I moved back in with mom. So that, mm. that was always fun. But I moved back in got a job at enterprise rent a car Mm -hmm. and really like saved up money that way. And then like moved out on my own and then gradually took lesser paying jobs that freed up my time Mm -hmm. to pursue comedy. So enterprise was the most high paying job. And then I went to like dishwashing and waiting tables and I refilled many bars at a hotel as well. So Mm -hmm. I was just doing anything that gave me more flexibility at night to be able to pursue what I knew was going to become my inevitable job, which is stand up. But those early years enterprise rent a car. I mean, that grind is working from like seven to five being out at shows all night and then just repeat over and over and over again, you know, every day. So it was all worth the sacrifice because I knew that's, I just loved it. Even Mm. in the hard times, I still loved it. And there was never a moment where I was like, maybe I shouldn't be doing comedy. I just understood this is part of the process and I'm paying my dues Mm -hmm. and I still am 10 years in. I'm not disillusioned to think I haven't figured out by any means. I I'm learning just as much today as I was on the first day.
1: Mm -hmm. One of the things I ask a lot of people is what, what their worst experience is. Um, Doing stand-up. But I wanted to ask you, you've been in it long enough that it would be nice to know when you kinda had that aha moment. So you did the open mic and obviously you were you were doing some more stuff after that. When did you just have that moment when you said, Oh, this just isn't gonna be a hobby for me? This is gonna be something I wanna do. Well, really the first time.
0: I mean, the first time I did stand-up, I was like, Oh, this is what I
1: was born to do. Okay This is
0: really? this is exactly it. Yeah. But it took I did a church show a few years in, in front of like 1,800 people, Mm -hmm. and that was probably the moment where I was like, oh, because I, you know, we can grind it out at open mics and that's necessary and you should be doing that, Mm -hmm. but um, it can become a little sometimes monotonous or it can become, you become a product of that environment and you're like, is this stand-up? doing comedy at 6 p.m. in front of a window <laughs> with like homeless people peeing yeah. <laughs> and the barista is grinding coffee beans like is this comedy yeah. so <laughs> doing that church show was kind of my first introduction to like the potential of comedy which mm-hmm. is entertaining thousands of people so that was the show that really maybe opened my mind up to the pos- like the potential of comedy
1: mm-hmm. but
0: my first time doing it, I knew immediately, like as soon as I got off, I was like, well, this is my life now.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. That's great. And you were, you were just a young guy. You were, you said you were a sophomore. Uh, I was a senior in college. Oh, a senior in college. Okay. Uh, February 1st, 2010. Wow. Where, where'd you go to school? Mm-hmm. Maryville College. Okay. In Maryville, Tennessee. Y'all. All right. I uh, spend a lot of time in Tennessee and going through Tennessee. My son lives in Huntsville, Alabama, so uh, I have, oh, to, yes, have yeah. to drive the whole state to get to him.
0: Yeah, and you, I have a bunch of jokes about uh, Merville in my comedy special, yeah. if anyone's
1: interested. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's it's really funny um, listening. So I listened to, the first thing I listened to you was the podcast, and your mm-hmm. voice is very um Broadcasterish, and <laughs> then uh then during the special you got into a little bit of uh more of the dialect the the tennessee dialect and uh yeah. both of them fit it's funny that you know i i can see both of them on you so it, it's pretty cool how you've uh, you've been able to uh talk to the masses and still uh get back to your old vernacular
0: <laughs> hey it's my honky bonics yeah. you know and that's <laughs> My buddy, uh, my buddy Rob Hayes, who he was actually just on James Corden, but he's been on Fallon and Comedy Central and all this now. But he started here in Atlanta. He was the first guest that uh, we ever had on Hot Breath, and he was the 100th guest as well. But Mm -hmm. he talks about in the episode 100 how there's like, there's different type, there's different like shades or voices of Joel, where it's like, you have podcast Joel, you have stand up Joel, you Uh have like at home Joel. There's just like,
1: (laughs) there's different shades to this. Uh huh. Yeah, you you uh you do well with all of them. I like that. Uh, I appreciate it. When you were when you were coming up, obviously you're part of the Atlanta scene. There's all these scenes. Everybody I talk to, there's all these scenes, and there's the uh, staples of all of them. When you were coming up, did you have anybody that kind of took you in, mentored you, um, brought you brought you up, and and helped you out? Um, mm,
0: uh, probably uh, there's a there's a guy named Rodney Perry who's mm been doing he's been on he's been on the podcast twice now but he, he's a comedy veteran and he was he was a guy when you see him out and about that you're like oh there's no way he would talk to me but he uh-huh. would really and still does take time to like speak with younger comics and really like share any advice he has or answer any questions he has. And he he was probably the most influential mm. I would say. And what was crazy with him is I I was a fan of his and I followed him on social media and all that jazz. And I just randomly tweeted at him asking if he would want to go to a, a Louis C.K. show with me. Uh-huh. And yeah, he said, sure. So I got two tickets and we went to see Louis C.K. at the Fox Theater here in Atlanta. And that was really like our first time like officially meeting in like a, <laughs> a real sense. Yeah. <laughs> but he was willing to do it. And it really it really went a long way and really showed the ex- he set the example for how comedians should treat each other and how I should be how I should treat other comedians Mm -hmm. and just be an open book and be welcoming and I think part of what makes the Atlanta comedy scene so great and I mean so thriving as well with Atlanta is like the next scene like people look at Atlanta for like the next upcoming talent that's why I'm still here right and I think a big part of it is is just it's like a community there's nothing there's, you could hear like the old school stories of like backstabbing and the competitiveness and all that, but it really is cut. There's more of a camaraderie here in Atlanta that I think is really kind of the secret sauce behind what makes the scene so successful.
1: Yeah. It, it's, it's always better to bring people up than to try to knock them down and, Mm-hmm. and and that's you know i i see that a lot in in my area but i've been to other areas that i can tell is more the knock them down <laughs> type, right. type situation right. um Uh, Nashville was one of those one, one club I did in Nashville was, was very much like that. The other club I went to was fantastic. So, you know, it, it kind of depends. Yeah. It does depend. It totally depends. Yeah. The, the, the folks that hang out there either are gonna be behind you or totally against you. There's pretty two, two (laughs) extremes there. That's the way it works.
0: (laughs) Or indifferent. Or a lot of the times the community, we can, we can like tell ourselves the story that it's like, oh, they don't they weren't overly welcoming. So they hate me or they yeah. think I'm not funny or yeah, like, I mean, everyone has bad days or whatnot as well. And some people, that's just their personality is yeah. that they are a little more introverted and not as outgoing and conversational, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a personal attack against us because we can all see the flyers of all these comedians like on this show. And we're uh-huh. like, Oh, there's a conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> against me and only me that is preventing me from getting booked on that show uh-huh. in the back of that bar at midnight on a Thursday, but it has cool font on the flyer. So I want to be on it. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, we can always tell ourselves those, those stories, but a lot of the time I've learned it's really just all self-imposed.
1: Yeah. It's, it's self-imposed and it, instead of getting, um, Been out of shape about it, you should really look at that and say, okay, how do I make myself indispensable? Um, Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of your guests have mentioned that you, you got to make yourself the one, the one that the one that they want. And then, then you'll be on all those flyers and, and you'll have Mm -hmm. more work than you can shake a stick at. And to focus on what you can control. So if you're wanting to get booked on more shows, but
0: you're not currently getting booked, then just start booking your own show. Things like that, you know, kind of focus on what you're in control of and what you can create and the success you can kind of make happen for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's the corner that I turned. It took me several years that I wish I had had that mindset sooner in my career where it is, well, instead of wasting energy on what everyone else is doing, what are you doing and how can you change that and what opportunities can you create? And that's really when, I started to get a lot more positive momentum in here when I stopped worrying about everyone else.
1: Right. Right. That's, Mm -hmm. that is so true. So you, you know, everything I've seen that you have done looks like you've made a pretty conscious decision to be a clean comic. Um, Mm -hmm. you, you are at least 98% clean from everything I've seen. Um, 98. (laughs) Yeah. I
0: didn't swear. What, yeah. What? 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 What was
1: dirty? Are you talking about my special? Yeah. Uh, well, you're special. I've watched some YouTube stuff. I mean, you're 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 a pretty clean guy. I mean, you you tackle mm-hmm. some subjects that that are oh, right. yeah, a little bit harder. You know, you tackle <laughs> racism and and sexism mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but um, you you tackle them in a way that is non confrontational, and you don't drop the f bomb a hundred times during your set. Is that something that you decided to do right from the beginning? Is that who you are or, you know, what? what is it that um, made you go that direction? Yeah, that was actually a standard I set from
0: the beginning it is something I, I always, ever since I started, I wanted to be a clean comedian just because I knew that would give me the opportunity to entertain more people. There's just the facts are, and I'm not saying there's a right or wrong between clean or dirty, do what works. For you and what is authentic to you, mm. most importantly. And if you are dirty, there's just less work opportunities. That's just math, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be able to do the same jokes I do at a bar that I do at a comedy club that I do at a church that I do at a college, and that way I could work the most and have the biggest fan base and entertain and help as many people as possible. Right. So starting out, that was just kind of the standard I had set for myself, and I would always put my Material through that filter of Mm -hmm. would this work here or there? And even in thinking of making more universal material, like I will, I'll do, I started here in Atlanta. So there's rooms where it's all black people and there's rooms where it's all white people. And Mm -hmm. I actually, if a joke worked in one of those rooms and not the other, I would get rid of it because Mm -hmm. I knew it, it wasn't hitting that and it wasn't resonating that universal note. And I've just gotten so many more opportunities just because I am a clean comedian just from even like event hosting. And like, will you come perform my birthday party, it's, or there's also moments where you don't know the show is supposed to be quote clean. And then you show up and they're like, okay, you're doing 30 minutes. And by the way, don't, uh, you, it's gotta be clean. Yeah. And then if, if I was a dirty comedian, I would have been like, Oh, I can't, I literally can't do this job or, I can't do it well enough to where they would want to have me back or refer me, which is where a lot of work comes from. Mm-hmm. So I would always um, I heard Chris Rock say that there was one thing he would have changed starting out. He would have been a clean comic because he said if he was clean, he would have Ray Romano money. Right. So <laughs> someone like Chris Rock says that there's a lot of validity to it. So I would I would. I don't tell comics how they should do their comedy. I think Mm. it's, it's your song. You sing it how you want. But for me personally, going clean was always the number one goal and it's still become like my brand.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's funny. I, I'm exactly the same way. And, uh, I tell people that, you know, I, I, cuss like a sailor at home and hmm. even even hmm. texting with my wife back and forth it's 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 a it's a four-letter word fest but i decided in in doing comedy that i was going to do clean and i did yeah. like two sets where i was uh working a little blue and i just it didn't feel right to me it, it didn't feel yeah. like Uh, I don't want to say it felt icky, but it just wasn't me who I am on stage. And, and that's, I mean, you got to go with who you are for sure. And the audience can tell when you're faking it. Yeah.
0: And like, if I'm at an open mic working out stuff, yeah, I'll, I'll throw stuff against the wall or like, I'll, I'll swear and like here and there and things like that. But like when it comes to, uh, if I'm booked, I'm getting paid to be somewhere and I'm working like. I'm performing clean comedy, but when you're working out new material, you know, swear words will slip here and there and ideas will come to you. You'll just run with in the moment Mm -hmm. at an open mic. But if I'm getting paid, I, yes, they're, they're getting what they expect, which is a funny, clean show.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I respect that. That's, uh, it's definitely harder to do. Um, Mm -hmm. you, you, you don't, you don't know how much time, um, the F-bomb uh, adds to your set until <laughs> until you take it out, you know? <laughs> <sighs> All those precious minutes, yeah, seconds yeah. we need as comedians. Yep. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know, if you draw it out, you go, you know, that's a couple, right. three seconds, you know?
0: Then <laughs> you call it back and you yeah. call it back. It right. becomes your yeah. tagline. You
1: sell merch after the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... One of the things I wanted to ask you uh, before before we get into, I, I want to go to the podcast next because I just I I went um, totally batty over it, and that's all I've been listening to for the last Man, couple I weeks. That
0: that's, uh, that's the whole goal, Scott.
1: Yeah, I mean it's great. Um, so everybody talks about what a comic should do when they first start out, and there's there's lots of stuff about the writing process and stuff like that. What are the top three things you would tell a comic that who, who has been doing it for two years and is getting pretty good and wants to take it to the next step? So what is that next step? I would say, um, okay, they, after two years, they're getting on some showcase shows. They've been able to feature a couple times, but not regular and, um, They've traveled in maybe a five or six state area right around their own state, so wow. like a region. So that that's wow. where they're at. And uh, what 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 three things would you say to take it to the next level from that? And uh, is this they, Scott? Is this the they? No. No, uh, I okay. S- S-
0: I do not know Scott. if you are doing what I do on my podcast. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the same thing with my guests. If yeah, this yeah. hypothetical comedian did have this thing, yeah. he had a question
1: about. <laughs> okay, I I will say it's I I will say it's forty percent Scott, but uh, <laughs> okay, hundred percent Scott is too old for that shit. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I'm probably not going to jump in and travel Ooh. the country.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I would first off say. Really start your own show first. I think every comic should do their own show at least at least once, even if it's mm-hmm. not a weekly show, if it was just like one showcase you tried to do. I think producing your own show gives you a lot of insight into the business side of comedy that will help you start to get booked more. Mm-hmm. So even at my my show, I hosted a show here in Atlanta for like seven years, and it went from like biweekly to then weekly. And I learned so much just from hosting uh-huh. and just being you get that much more stage time when you host your own show also. So right. I think you kind of kill two birds with one stone when you're producing a show is it's kind of like a crash course in the business side of comedy. And it's also a crash course in just getting that much more stage time because it forces you to get out of your head of like, here's my material. Here's my script. When you're hosting, you, I mean, you you've got to be more in the moment. you got to be a little more reacting and more interactive as opposed to like speaking at the audience. You have to be kind of with the audience, which is so important in stand up. Mm -hmm. So I would say create your own show first. I think that's that's a a good place to start. Second one, I would just say be nice. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and that can be easier said than done, I guess, for some people. But starting out, I, I wasn't mean, but I wasn't receptive in terms of, I was always just to myself in my like set list. Mm-hmm. I, I was not, I was like going out to open mics a lot, but I wasn't um, being um, a part of the community, I guess you mm-hmm. could say. And hosting a show actually helped me to get more integrated into the, my stand up community. was mm-hmm. starting out, I was more of just like, I'm, you know, I'm an artist and I'm in my own head and I'm here just to do this. And then, by the same token, I would then be complaining why I'm not getting booked on shows, right? It's because people don't even know that I want to do them. People don't even know who I am. You mm-hmm. know, I'm just out at these open mics. So I would say, start your own show. Be nice and really, even I'm not saying go out there and be the life of the party. But if you see a comic at an open mic and you enjoy their set, go up to them. Say, hey, I liked, I liked that bit. How did you write that joke? You know, just some icebreaker. Tell a comic mm-hmm. they're great and they'll love. So that's a great icebreaker for anyone. And uh, the the third thing is live on stage. Stay on stage. I mean, I've interviewed over 200 comedians, and the number one piece of advice has been to live on stage. As soon as I heard, Cedric the Entertainer closed out his interview uh, on Hot Breath. That was his number one piece of advice to comics. You have to get on stage. Mm -hmm. So Even at my level, 10 years in, I am not immune to the work. I still have to get on stage. When I go out to these open mics in Atlanta, I'm seeing the Rodney Perry's out there who are out on tour, who are filming movies and TV shows, but are still at those open mics at Mm -hmm. night. So if someone like them, you know, 20, 30 year comedy veterans are still out and knowing they have to get on stage, there's no reason for any of us to not be out there. So start your own show
1: uh be nice and live on stage yeah i i agree hundred percent with all three of those the uh right. the the start your own show is really cool i I did a couple myself uh recently and the nice thing is, is you get to set your own time, so uh you, you actually know how much material you have because, right, because, right, 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 because right. you may think you you may think you got uh, a hot twenty or a hot thirty, and it turns out you actually only got a hot fifteen, and you need yeah. to do some more work. So you can self evaluate from that. The being nice part, you know, I think a lot of comics are nice, but we are introverted by nature uh a lot of us and also we're consumed by the work we're doing uh people don't understand how much work it takes to get that first five minutes that first 10 minutes and you are just immersed in your writing and you're you're trying to get the timing right and all that kind of stuff so when you're waiting to go up you have to make an effort to be nice and you have to make an effort to listen to the other comics so that you can give them those compliments. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a double-edged sword in that you're not living, living in your set so much, but uh you do have to know what's going on around you. And it's, uh, it, It's almost a deliberate thing that you have to do. You have to make yourself do it.
0: Yeah. And it's something I had to work at in all honesty, but it is like, look at the comedy show as your workplace. So just, just being a good coworker will go a long way in getting more opportunities. Mm -hmm.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the hot breath podcast, Joel. (laughs) 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 Yeah, That's my version of hot breath. I love it. So the podcast world is just absolutely nuts. I, I didn't know you had the hot breath podcast. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at you to be a guest. I'm like, Oh, he's got a podcast. Oh, he's got well over two hundred episodes. Oh, he interviewed Bobby Kelly, one of my mm-hmm. favorite comics. I'm like, okay, let's start listening and I think I shot you an email that I told you it was fire and I I should did have, yeah yeah, I should have said <laughs> that your podcast is everything I want my podcast to be. so uh you know, congratulations on what you've done. Wow, I, that means the world
0: seriously like I I gotta say listening to your first episode and how you were explaining your mission with behind the bits, I was like, wow, Scott and I are kindred spirits. Yeah. Like how you were describing your podcast. And I was like, yeah, this is what my, this is what I wanted my show to be is mm-hmm. like kind of inside the actor studio for comedians. And that's really kind of how I'll brand it to people. when they ask me about hot breath is it's like inside the actor studio for comedians, but I'm excited for you also because first episode out of the gate, you get like your favorite comic, Tom Dreesen oh, yeah. on there. Yeah. So that's always a, a nice a spark of kind of optimism when you're like, okay, this is possible. If I can do that, then what else is possible? Yeah. You know? So yeah, that congratulations was, to you as well.
1: Yeah. That was, that was a huge get. And, uh, fortunately we had been talking before the the podcast and, uh, we're on a Facebook group together and stuff like that. And then I had seen oh, him great. do a show, his Sinatra show. And so, you know, I, I set it up well. And, uh, the fact, the fact that he actually said, yep, let's do it. And called me right on time and, and, uh, stayed on the phone for longer than an hour that I was just, I was just buzzing after that. I think you can tell during, during the whole (laughs) thing, I was right at the beginning. I was just about to choke up because he's my guy and I had to fight that off. So it it was definitely, uh, the highlight of my podcast years so far. And that's the
0: example of like, you know, one being nice, but also like I was talking about with Rodney Perry of just these guys are veterans. They don't need to do this, but they understand like the camaraderie within comedy and they understand paying it forward and helping out younger comics. And that's what, what I've learned with doing hot breath is a lot of the time. If you just ask like they're willing to do yep. it. A lot of the, a lot of the things I've booked have come. A lot of the guests I've booked have come from being on, uh, like interacting with them on social media yep. or, you know, uh, sending them a tweet or, Bobby Kelly was a referral from Rich Voss. Mm-hmm. so um, I interviewed Rich Voss, who I connected with on social media, then went to see him. He was here at the Punchline in Atlanta, went to see him live and we talked after the show and kind of scheduled it that way and then he he referred me to Bobby Kelly, who uh, Bobby Kelly referred me to Gary Goldman, who we have not gotten <laughs> uh-huh. but we we talked. I mean we interacted. um I was actually I was actually booked out of town. I was Uh, I was in Birmingham, but I was willing to drive back to do it, but he was actually in town with his, uh, with his family. So he wasn't gonna have time anyway, but he said, definitely like I had, I blitzed Gary Goldman. Like, I mean, I had Bobby (laughs) Kelly, but then I had people, um, listeners who had Hop breath shirts wore Hop breath shirts to his show uh, at the laughing skull that weekend. It was like you're hitting him with hot.
1: subliminal and everything. Oh, yeah.
0: I, I went all in because yeah. Gary Goldman. He shares that spirit of, you know, with his writing tips, he posts like he really oh, likes yeah. helping comics. So I knew I knew and know that he's going to be like a guest that people are just going to like learn so much from. Right. So we're on his radar. A lot of people we're on a lot of people's radar. We're about one degree from a lot of cool things. Yeah. Right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing with the podcast is you just got to keep pushing it and, yep. and, and mm-hmm. put out the quality content and then, then you get the buzz and uh, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I think, I'm, well, I'm 10 episodes in, so I'm, I'm still learning on how to do one that goes out nationally, but I did a local one for about five years and, it, you know, it, oh, wow. it, it grew, it, it grew exponentially after people started talking about it. So, you know, I, I know that'll happen with this one too. And, um, I'm, I'm just waiting for it to happen and the nice thing about this type of podcast and your type of podcast the hot breath podcast is it's timeless you mm. you're not you're not interviewing people about what they're doing right now or if you are it's just a couple minutes of the podcast the rest of it is what's the industry like what's writing like what's your life like and and all that stuff is really timeless um and the tips that you put out you know it doesn't matter when you listen to it it's it's good Wow. I, I appreciate that, Scott. And that's really become the goal is it, it's like an
0: educational resource for comedians more. I learned just as much as the listeners are learning as right. well. And we're kind of all in on this together at this point. And we the community like we we got um, Cedric the Entertainer because like I heard he was going to be in town. So I like I photoshopped my face on a photo with him <laughs> and then had people tag him on social media and then his opener said he could connect us. And it's just, it, the more, it's interesting you talk about people talking about your show and that's how it'll grow. Like the more I've really doubled down on building a community around the show as we with the mm. hot breath of yeah. is what we call it as yeah. well. The more I've doubled down on the community piece of it, that's how we've been able to like grow and really start to get international with like, I mean, we're on every continent now except Antarctica. Mm-hmm. So we i mean i have listeners that reach out almost daily about an episode they heard and my favorite is to hear like you said where you you go back in the catalog i've heard people say they they got pulled in by mark norman and then they listen to like 20 other episodes right. that's that's really just that uh it makes all the work worth it cuz you know podcasting is a full-time job <laughs> so
1: it's good when it when it pays off yeah. you know Nobody knows what the what work goes behind the the fun stuff mm. of talking to people. <laughs> oh my gosh, and, and
0: and that's yeah. I mean, I've spent I've calculated over like 15 hours for a single episode. Yeah. So yeah. that's an hour long episode. So it's a, it's a labor of love, but I mean, it's it's the show as a comedian that I wish existed when I started out. Mm-hmm. So now I, I'm hearing that kind of echoed back from listeners like, oh, this is the show that I. is what i needed right now or i'll be out at a show and tell another comic about this episode or i heard a i heard a comic talking about your show it's it's um we're all in it together which is important i think
1: well i hope you don't mind that um i'm watching you very closely and copying your playbooks uh that's yeah that's that's, please it's, it's gonna be the the way i go i'm gonna create a community it's the way the way it's gonna be it is. Yeah.
0: yeah. We, we created a fate. We created a, um, like a private Facebook group. Listeners are in there that mm-hmm. are connecting with each other from around the world. So I would totally recommend doing that with your show. It's, it's a great kind of just town square right. for listeners to really connect and interact and ask questions and learn from each other as well. Right. And yeah, a lot of it was learning the hard way with mine. So I'm hoping you, so you don't even have to, yours has a, a clear and specific focus. Mine over four years, it's kind of meandered around what the voice is and the exact mission. but as soon as I found inside, oh, it's inside the actor's studio for comedians, mm-hmm. then I really started doubling down on just the educational piece. But for a while, I would kind of be like, well, is it all comedy Or is it should I do like a season where it's just social media comedy or is it it, we're in Atlanta? Maybe it's about Atlanta creatives and not just comedy. And it kind of had to come full circle back to comedy. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, now, yeah, it's I've we're we're dialed in now. So you're already ahead of the game and just knowing what your show is and what the identity of it is. So
1: you're yeah, you're years ahead of where I was when I started out. Well, thank you for that. I mean, I'm looking at your episodes here. The, the last one you put out is Three Steps to Finding Your Voice. The nice mm-hmm. thing about this is that episode is like 12 minutes long. And it ha- it packs so much information in there. And the, the thing that I got that was... Um, it, it was... A revelation to me, you said, you know, being more personal with your comedy and bringing your personal life into it because that's the stuff that nobody can copy. Nobody else is going to do it because it's you. And uh, I that really hit home with me because I've done both sides of the fence. And when I do personal stuff, first off, I remember it. Because it's me, yeah. Um, and second off, it resonates better with the audience uh, because I'm a big dork, and and uh, people just love big dorks. So you know <laughs> that 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 really resonated with me, and it just uh, affirmed what. I, the direction I was already going and I just think it's so cool. You can go through your episodes and you've got the longer episodes where you're doing an interview an hour or more, but you, you've mm-hmm. got a lot of them that are just, uh, tips and tricks and, um, uh, and you, you did one a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, do, do, uh, uh, get your, uh, writing going. You know, make make sure you write every day and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it's really um it's really cool in that you can listen to the podcast and you can get all the uh great information from some of the best comics out there. And then also you will pop in and say, hey, by the way, you're a comic, don't forget to do this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and that those those shorter episodes are getting a lot of great feedback. So I'm gonna
0: I'm going to do those more and start incorporating those into also our YouTube channel Mm -hmm. moving forward. I was just at uh, PodFest in Orlando this past weekend and learned a lot about the YouTube space and the opportunity within having a podcast on there. And I've been on YouTube since last year doing video, but there's so much more that can be done on YouTube that I think people are overlooking. Mm -hmm. That they just think it's just like a place to watch videos, but it's actually the most powerful social media platform in the world so with the biggest potential audience. So we're really going to double down on that and start creating more of that micro, just bite-sized educational content that Mm kind of gets people in and out. Quick tip here, now you can go work on
1: it for the week or whatnot. Right. The thing about YouTube is you don't get any distraction because if you're messing around Facebook or Twitter or whatever, you're going to see a tweet or something that catches your eye. But if you're watching, you know, a five or 10 minute video, then you're probably going to watch it all the way through. So you, you, mm-hmm. you get the audience attention that way
0: for sure. Yeah. And it's the second largest search engine on the internet. So behind Google, it's the largest search engine. So people are on there just Googling. How do you write a joke? <laughs> yeah. Or how do you get booked on a show? Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's people use it just like Google. So there's, there's great ways to help people on there as well. Yeah,
1: I definitely used it to uh, change my wife's uh, headlamp on the uh, Mazda when she had it because it out oh, it I've done a lot that too. I expected. I've done that too for sure.
0: <laughs> I hate some of the tutorials where it's like it's like a twelve year old kid who's like, "Here's how you do it, idiots!" Yeah. <laughs>
1: and then he's like, "Oh my gosh, this kid has a million followers on here," you know? Yeah. Um. So. Once again, folks, if if you're going to listen to two podcasts, it's mine and Joel Byer's Hot Breath podcast. Yeah. Hot breath. <laughs> 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 That's Love it, great. So, um, you actually did a podcast about uh, putting together your special, the trophy husband, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to, I, and everybody should go listen to that. Um, first of all, the trophy husband, I think I told you before we started, I've listened to about two thirds of it because I'm reading two books, trying to catch up on your podcasts and everything else, but I'm going to listen to the rest of it tonight probably. And I just think it's hilarious. It's very, it's very cool what you put together, um, very homegrown, um, and yet, um, accessible to everyone i just I, I i think it's great um and uh i was i was uh just blown away by uh, how warm the audience was to you uh, and mm-hmm. it was just it was just really neat so obviously you have been uh you know i have heard through through the podcast and stuff you know you've been on a tv pilot and you've been trying to get uh, in into the Hollywood type thing and trying to get your special done, and it wasn't happening, so you did it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So exactly. what's all that about? What What do you have to do to to make your own special?
0: Well, it's uh, and I, I was. I was. Worried. I don't know if you listened to it or watched it, but I'm. Gonna, did you watch it as well, or were you just listened to it more?
1: I, I, I got to tell you, I had it on my phone. I downloaded it to my phone, and oh, cool. the video was up while I was driving, and I was probably looking at the the picture too much. <laughs> no,
0: it's no, it's all good. Yeah, I didn't know because I remember I put the audio on uh, the Patreon, but I wasn't sure if you had gotten the special or you joined the Patreon. So yeah, it's my whole goal with the special was of like we talked about kind of earlier in starting to create your own success Mm -hmm. and just not waiting on other people to validate you. So me releasing a special completely independently was my attempt and maybe my, my rally cry to other comics to stop waiting and start creating their own opportunities
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and whatever that is for a comedian, you know, 10 years in, I wanted to do my own special, so it, two years in, your rally cry may be, "Oh, I want to start my own show, or I want to release a twenty-minute album, or any." It, it, it's just to start doing something that gets you out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So I knew a stand-up special for me. Ten years into comedy, I thought it would be a good like time capsule of. Where I've come in comedy up to this point, and where my comedy is at ten years. And it'll be a nice kind of nostalgic piece to look back on as my career continues to grow and mm-hmm. evolve. But it really is it started out as I was going to record an album, and then i I did a a, a fan of the podcast. I actually did his podcast, and we were talking about the album. And then he told me he actually has a production company and we could just film and make this a special. Uh So it all just kind of happened to where I was going to do an album. And then I was like, Oh, sounds like I'm doing a special now. (laughs) Um, It was kind of like with my, my comedy writing book. I teach an eight week uh, comedy class. And one of my students who was a professor was like, this is a book. He's like, And he's like, this class is a book. And I was like, is it? And he's like, yeah. And then he had like a whole outline of what the book could be based Uh on the lessons. And I was like, oh, I guess uh, I guess we're writing a book now. So it's just (laughs) kind of one of those things and why I wanted to inspire comics to just start because starting is the hardest part. And then the pieces will start to fall in to place that way. So me saying I want to record an album in 2019 then evolved over time into it becoming a comedy special. But I would have never have known that if I didn't set the intention first. So it's a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to find a venue. You got to make sure you sell it out. You got to figure out what the production side of it is in terms of how many cameras do you want? What is your budget? Um, all the way to, we actually did a unique thing where he followed me around for a few weeks leading up to the taping of the special as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, And he was filming at open mics, filming at comedy clubs, preparing my set and talking about it. And it's it's a vlog that we're slowly rolling out on my Joel Byers comedy. There's three episodes of the vlog up right now, but it really tracks the evolution of this story I have about crying at my wedding. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it the vlog really documents just like where it started to Mm -hmm. where in, in the special you see it end up where it starts out as a clunky idea at an open mic that ends in applause break on the comedy special. So Uh just another thing I wish existed, you know, I, when I was looking at comedy specials, I was like, well, what's a unique spin on this? And part of it was, well, let's have a vlog about the creative process behind the comedy special. Mm -hmm. And also there's fun things like my dogs in the audience at the comedy special. You know, my wife's on the front row as well. Uh Um, the The guy who was hosting it was a, a comic I started with back in the day who's since gone on to be on like wild and out, and he's written on a bunch of TV shows and stuff. So it's it all just was right place, right time, but also like preparation of everything over ten years coming together mm. to really end in a, a comic special I'm super proud of. And I think it's a unique take on the format that I'm hoping other comics will see and get inspired to then
1: redefine the format and mm. again i i just i just thought it was great and it looked like you that that was was that a two or three camera shoot we had four
0: technically there four, was okay there
1: was a camera on stage
0: yeah as well that actually ended up um dying halfway through <laughs> uh so we so we had um we had a camera we had like a diamond setup so we had like a camera in the far in the way back mm-hmm. Where that was like the full wide shot, right? And then to uh um, to stage right, we had a, a stationary camera that was about three quarters, three quarter shot. Mm. And then on the, the stage left, uh, the director Isaac was uh, he had a handheld and he was kind of more doing close ups and some more like texture, kind of mm. more feel. Of the like, we wanted to get that authentic grit of stand up, so he was capturing those shots more. And then we had like a little um handheld camera on the stage that was getting kind of like me in front of the audience. That you know, I left there's a moment I um knocked the camera over and I go to set it back up. There's a a false start in the special as well (laughs) where we didn't have every you know, we did it all in one take. You know, we didn't do four shows yeah. like you hear like all these comics on Netflix doing. We did it all in one take, mm-hmm. one go. So, you know, there was a false start where the lighting wasn't right and we had to reset. So I go out there and then I'm like, "Oh, wait, we need to reset this." So I I leave it all in. I forget yeah. my material at one moment, like but I leave it all in because I wanted this to really kind of illustrate the the real side of Mm -hmm. comedy that a lot of people don't get to see that us as comics we know but that's why it's kind of for comics by comics because my goal is for really comics to see it and be inspired Mm -hmm. to take it take the special to another level.
1: I was glad you left the false start in there and, and some mm-hmm. of the little little bloops along the way. It made it made it more human. Some of the ones you watch on Netflix, you're like, wow, I mean, they could have been in a box doing this and they could have faked mm-hmm. the audience. So, you know, it was, it was it was really cool the way you did it. I, I really I enjoyed that. that.
0: That was the whole. Yeah, our whole goal with it was to really showcase like the raw, authentic side to comedy and just yeah. showing stand up now with it. it with the specials that can become so like overly polished or it's just, it's almost like too perfect. It's like unattainable. I wanted comics to watch the special and feel inspired that, Oh, I can do that. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, just kind of an aside question. The, the bits that you did for, for that special, how, how many of those um you know came up in like your first years or did 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 you bring anything with you from when you first started? Um there's a one-liner that is still one of my
0: favorite jokes that I is definitely in there where it's like I married a woman with a tattoo because she's comfortable with permanent mistakes. Yep. <laughs> um I love that joke. You know, yeah. I started out in comedy doing one liners. I think one liners are like the, the foundation of comedy. Mm-hmm. And I think if you get a good grasp on one liners, then you can start to expand them into like bits and stories. But I started with one liners and that's just one I came up with one day and it, it just always stuck and i always got a big laugh. Mm-hmm. And even um, the joke I closed with on the special which I won't. I won't spoiler alert. I know you haven't seen it, but it's. <laughs> and I don't want to spoil it for people. But it's actually a joke. Um, my wife told me not to do. Uh huh. So I decided to close my special with it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that was a joke I had developed over the years. That that you'll you'll hear in the special. Like the writing is very specific and meticulous, and it's more. There's a more of like a melody to it. Like there's there's a clear rhythm to it. It's not a song, but there's. Mm-hmm there's a rhythm and a melody to the word choice and the words that it took, it took time and trial and error to really kind of hammer down that puzzle. But Mm. some of the bits are newer. Some of them are older. What I did find with, um, with putting it together and trying to figure out the storyline of the special was to how to weave it all in to seem like one seamless conversation or one seamless story arc but it's actually a bunch of individual bits. I kind of had to like rearrange and mm-hmm. rework and figure out because it's called the Trophy Husband. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so I had a lot of material around my personal life and seemingly unconnected, but through time I was able to kind of tether them all together in a in like one sequence. Mm-hmm. But it, it it was a lot of work making a lot of these individual jokes kind of carved into really um. A complete special.
1: Right. I I can, uh, I can definitely identify with uh, putting, finding stuff that you did at the beginning and, and seeing a place for it down the line, because Mm -hmm. just in my short time, uh, I've gone back and saw things that I wrote when I first started. And I'm like, well, I did that once and then I put it away. And if I, polish us up and work a little bit, it can go really well with the, with the, you know, the 10 minutes I'm doing. And, uh, and, uh, never say never on some of the stuff that you've written because, uh, it it may come around to be good. For sure. And that could be in
0: two months. That could be in two years where all of a sudden a joke that never worked is now the missing piece to this bigger bit. You have it's comedy is just, it's comedy is so bizarre like that, but it really is. if, if a joke isn't working, sometimes it's just not time for it too. So you just kind of shelf it, let it ferment, let it let it tumble around the subconscious for a while. And I've found you'll eventually find a place for
1: it. Yeah. From uh from start to finish, how long did it take to get the trophy husband to where you could actually put it out there for people?
0: Um I mean it's really ten years of work into <laughs> one special. Um I mean, to actually, I probably started trying to organize it and everything maybe um, t- two months, maybe, or three months. I'm not sure when I actually started of like, okay, I have a special coming up. I need to start working, working the actual set because I thought what's funny is for the for most of the year, I thought that was going to be the easy part where I was like, oh, I've been <laughs> doing comedy for 10 years. I have all these funny jokes. It'll yeah. be fine. And so I worked on all the other logistics of like, where is it going to be? How are we going to promote it? What are the cameras set up? What are the cameras going to like? Just worrying about all the logistic, the logistical side of the special. So then it probably came down, I would say, the final two or three. I don't know, three months, maybe two months of me like, oh, I have a special coming up, and I'm not exactly sure what it's going to be about. (laughs) I know I have a lot of material to do, but it's like, how will it become like a storyline? So I would say, I mean, it took me a couple months of intentional repetition out on stage and on the road Mm -hmm. to really start to figure out where to start, where to end with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we you did a good job with it. The stuff, the stuff with your grandpa is just hilarious. I, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Some of my family was there; they loved that. Yeah, yeah, you hit you, you hit that one uh, when I was driving, and I, I uh, <laughs> swerved a little bit on that because I was uh, <laughs> spitting out my diet Pepsi. So <laughs> I'm I'm glad that resonated with you. That's
0: good, and that's that personal, like you were talking about earlier, like the personal material. What is what is a joke I could do? Like everyone has a grandpa, but how can I do a grandpa joke that no one else can do? Well, oh. make it about my grandpa and something he that actually happened with him. Same thing right. with my marriage. Everyone who's married probably has marriage material, but how can I make mine unique and different? And that is talking specifically about my point of views and my experiences within marriage is what's going to make it me and not like just some hacky marriage joke we've all heard.
1: Right, right i think it's i think it's funny you did the the joke that your wife didn't want you to do i i did one once uh and my wife's in the audience quite a bit because i'm mostly doing local stuff and Mm -hmm. i didn't tell her about it and i did it and on the way home she's (laughs) like yeah you're not gonna do that one again (laughs) so so it's it's still in my book but uh yeah i haven't done it since she said no (laughs) And that came down in like crunch time
0: where my wife rarely comes to, uh, she doesn't come to my shows that much because she has a life or whatever. Uh-huh. But um, <laughs> that's why it was so important. We had her front row on the comedy special. We get her a little camera time, you'll see in the special. Uh-huh. But they, I was actually at a music open mic. We were there. It was a local music open mic. You know, we like to go to events together and spend quality time and they let like comedians sign up for it also. And I was like, Oh cool. Maybe we'll come back next week and I'll do comedy here. So Hmm. I signed up for next week. And then I was kind of like, I'll still bounce ideas off of her knowing she like, she's not going to laugh or it's not going to matter. But I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go try this one. I'm going to go do that one. I think this, this crowd will really like it. And she's like, don't do that. (laughs) She's like, don't do that. She's like, it's not going to work. So then that's what inspired me to be like, not only am I going to do it, I'm going to close my comedy special with it. Mm. And it is going to work. So that was a week away from the special, you know, where I was just looking for stage time anywhere I could. So music open mic was stage time. And, um, that kind of is a week out from filming. I was like, Oh, I finally have my closer. So up until, (laughs) you know, even the night before, uh, taping, I was out on the road the night before on stage, working out the set, fine tuning it. So it was up until the final hour. And even the day of the special, we did like a rehearsal where we got there earlier. We set up the cameras, worked through the shots we want to do. And I just did a dry rehearsal in front of an empty theater, just going over the set Mm. word for word as if I were performing it. I wasn't wearing my suit yet, but yeah. that is, that is the suit from my wedding. I should, Oh, I wore my, I wore the suit I wore in my wedding oh. at the special too. Oh, that's
1: great. <laughs> just, you look
0: good. <laughs> it all, it all ties in. There's so many little Easter eggs like that in there. Yeah.
1: That's, that's really cool. Y- you mentioned something that I, uh, I don't want to pass up music open mics. Uh, mm-hmm. I, so in my area, we've got like one open mic a week and that's over at the drop where you perform and if you want to do other open mics, you got to go at least an hour and a half to do other open mics. And I mm-hmm. always tell comics that a music open mic is really cool. Um, a, you get more time. Uh, they yep. usually give you between 10 and 15 minutes. B, they're not expecting comedy. And uh, C, you really know if your stuff works or not because... Uh, if you can catch the attention of at least a third of the bar, then uh, you know your stuff is hitting. So I, I always just to get stage time. I if an open mic will allow a comic, I will always do it.
0: Oh, I music, o- poetry,
1: open mics.
0: Yeah, I mean wherever there's a stage, and sometimes not even a microphone, I'll I'll be there.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's really it's really cool to do that. Uh, so you've been married for a. Two years, Uh, almost three years, April 1st, April 1st will be three years. (laughs) So what does your wife think about uh, your chosen profession and all the traveling and stuff? Oh, she loves it.
0: I mean, in terms of she's supportive of me and she, quote, gets it and Uh she understands that I do have to be out And I'm gone more than maybe a typical relationship in those terms, but Mm -hmm. she knew that before she signed up for it. Like I was, I was sure to let her know before, like she moved down here, we moved in together. That this is my life, this is my job, this these are my hours, and it just can't change, you know that. But what I'm mindful of also is, I'm always trying to find ways to like squeeze in time with her. So if if she is able to travel with me or she feels like traveling with me on a on a weekend gig, I'm happy to do it. Um just at Podfest this weekend, I I took her with me as Mm -hmm. well. Um but if I'm going to be gone during the weekend, I'll usually stay in during the weeks more, like during the weekdays more. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm gonna be home on the weekends if I'm not booked, then I will be out more during the week. So I am more mindful of the balance. Right. And finding ways and being mindful about how I allocate my time, but she understands. And I mean, she's supportive and knows the, the long term vision and understands that this is all part of the process. Mm-hmm. And I don't think without a supportive spouse, I wouldn't be where I am for sure. I wouldn't right. be thinking as, you know, thinking as big as I am and looking for the opportunities I'm looking for and just, the work I'm doing is really inspired by her. Right
1: that's mm-hmm. that's that's really good i'm happy for you i uh so i've been with my uh wife for 37 years and you know we have Whoa. grown grown children now and they're i told you my sons in huntsville and my daughters out in the dc area so i mean we are true empty nesters and i was mm. uh very happy about how supportive she is of what i'm doing she actually pushes me to go out she's she's like you know don't don't keep it just in south bend go you know go go where you need to go and um i'll go with you so you can have a few beers and uh and uh, that's great we'll both lose sleep together so it's
0: uh oh that's great you need that
1: yeah so it's uh it's been really really good uh for me that uh she sees something in me and uh that she wants me to you know push it a little bit more than i even thought i was going to push it so it's, it's great to have that support and uh have somebody nice to go home to. It's so <laughs> that's always nice.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I, I want to circle back to hot breath a little bit. You talk, you know, you have had some big name players on, on the podcast and I know that you hit some of them cold that you just hit them on social media and stuff like that. Um. Mm-hmm. So I've got two questions. Uh, how would you recommend that I approach Uh guests for my podcast, because there's a few that I'm kind of working on. And, um, and second, uh, on the, um, I want you to rate, uh, what it's like doing a podcast via Skype versus, uh, doing a podcast in person. Yeah.
0: Oh, well via Skype, you can see my dog just puked. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Uh. my God. As you're asking that question, I just see him starting to do that. And uh, I'm like, uh, oh, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here he goes again. There he again. goes
1: again. Uh, oh, oh, buddy. <laughs> oh, man. On the bed, not the couch. Oh, I think it's on the
0: couch now. <laughs> there we go. You all right, Kenneth? All right. Oops. <laughs> so that's, that's a perk of doing it via Skype. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I always... A few... Well, one, you asked about booking guests. I mean, I think just reaching out to them, whether it is social media or it is via their website or even management. I've gone through management sometimes as well. Mm. Uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the comedians will have their management info on their website that you can reach out to and book that way. So there's um just reaching out. You just never know. But having kind of your ducks in a row in terms of like having a press kit having a a vision for why you want them on the show or what is the show Mm -hmm. since uh, you know, yours is we have a similar thing. So a lot of comics like to help other comics. So I would also, I also would research guests before reaching out to them. So I would have a point of reference in terms of Mm -hmm. maybe there's a, there's a something I can mention in the ask in the pitch that, I would only be able to know if I knew them as a person, mm-hmm. you know, so that can help to kind of personalize the pitch. Um, a lot of the times too, you can time it out with something they they're releasing. If they have a special coming out or they're releasing a book or uh, they have a TV show coming out, you can release it around that schedule as well. Mm-hmm. So you, you pitch it more as a platform for them to promote their, what project as opposed to them, hey, let me have your time and come on here. It's more like what is in it for them. Uh-huh. So, so really give thought to like why they would want to come on the show right. to begin with. So that's that's a good good uh, homework to do before you even reach out to someone. Um This will be the, the other... fir- this
1: will be the first interview I've done where I actually took notes.
0: Oh, <laughs> fancy. Look at, take that, Tom
1: Dreesen. Yeah. <laughs> Now you I had notes going into it out. but I'm taking notes now so yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah you uh, you inspired me. I need to reach out to Tom Dreesen. But that is the power of Skype as well is that you could you could just do the interview, mm-hmm. you know, whenever like it's convenient for them and not having to travel, you're not conf- right. confined to doing it in person. So all of mine have been um there were a few early ones I did over the phone, but I always like doing them in person just because it's more of like an intimate personalized experience right. and you like meet the person and there's just, I don't know. I've, I've kind of created the show with that format. So I've kind of, I I've had opportunities to do phone interviews that I've waited that then turned into like in-person interviews down the road.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm willing to wait for the in-person interview, but I mean, at, at a certain point, there's also like, what's the, what's the reason? Like, if you're still getting the interview, you know, if I want to interview Tom Dreesen, what do I, do I fly to go see him or do I just hop on Skype and do it, right. you know? Yeah. So you've got me, I just posted, cause I'll do like Skype coaching calls with comedians where I help them with writing or give them an answer their questions and things like that. And I just posted one of those on the podcast that I did via Skype. And it's been getting a lot of listens and a lot of feedback. And I'm like, well, do people even care if it's in person? Should I start going the Skype route as well and really right. start reaching out to more comics that way? That so, episode
1: is fantastic, by the way, I don't want to interrupt oh, you. you, but, uh, the, the episode where you, uh, um, do the Skype session with Micah, um, just mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. Uh, and it, I was just, I was just blown away by the fact that, you know, she didn't bring a whole lot to the table. She, she, you know, and I'm not, I'm not dissing her. That's, that's what comics do. They, when they want to start out, they don't bring a lot to the table. You were Mm -hmm. able to draw out probably four or five good premises, um, within an hour's time that she could take and not only do a decent five minutes with, but they, they all connect to each other. I mean, you got the pet rat, you got the airplane, you got the kids. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it, it was, uh, um, watching that unfold because when I first started listening to it, I'm like, you know, I don't need to listen to this because I know what open miking is like and stuff like that. But then I kept listening. I'm like, holy cow you really know how to draw stuff out and oh, you asked the right questions
0: what uh what made you keep listening
1: and not just turn it off um it was I don't want to blow up your uh, self-esteem but it was really you the way the the way you the way you talked to Micah and were able to draw out the the fact that she had a pet rat, um, the fact that the rat um, had had its own room, um, where she got the rat, the fact that she's had multiple rats, you know, just mm-hmm. all, all, through through all that conversation, um, none of that came through in the first couple minutes you talked you you drew it out and uh, i was i was really compelled to listen just to see what more you were going to draw out and how she would receive it and everything just worked out um i was just uh and i listened right to the very last minute i was uh, like i said i don't want to blow your self-esteem up but i was i was impressed
0: <laughs> no i i appreciate it scott that's I definitely i've done a lot of those skype sessions and a lot of the times people are coming to the table with an idea or nothing or some people have never even done stand-up mm-hmm. and they're like i just want to know some people will just do a skype session just to ask questions you yeah. know and i've there's another great podcast uh, a guy you would probably like to interview his name's uh, rick roberts okay he does he does a school of laughs podcast okay and um he, he shares in our similar mission of like educating comics and his perspective. What's interesting is we're kind of all coming at the topic from a different perspective in terms of he's like an older comic almost on speaking about his experience and interviewing from the experience of doing this like 30 years. Uh-huh. I'm like a comedian doing it in the middle of the hustle. Right. Just in the thick of it. And then you're a comic coming at it from like new yeah. So it's he. He would be he would be a good guy to connect with, and he does Skype sessions. And I like, I was at a crossroads in my career, and I I paid for his time. You know, I I paid to do a Skype session with him, and leaving that session, I had a clarity on what mm-hmm. my next step was in my career. So right, it really does like it's worth. Um, just like I was inspiring comics to invest in themselves with this special because this was paid by me. Like all all this was me done independently, released independently. So I'm, I'm willing to invest in myself. If I know there's going to be, um, like a value at the other end of it. So Mm. I've seen a lot of people invest in just an hour long Skype session that has really changed the direction of their comedy.
1: Right. I, I really value more after, after that episode, I value more the one-on-one conversation, outside of a comedy club, Mm -hmm. really outside of a writer's workshop where you guys are dedicated and you're paying attention to each other and you're, you're really connecting so that you can find the funny, you know, just, you know, find find out what, what it takes to get those bits worked out and, uh, even started. So I, you know, it just, uh, very, that was a very compelling episode for me. It, It was, uh, it was really good.
0: I love. I really appreciate you saying that because that was this is the first time I've like done one and asked if they're cool if I record it and like post it on the podcast because I I was seeing so many comics benefit from it and I was like man I think comedians could really learn a lot just from being a fly on the wall on one of these sessions and it was again something I wish existed when I started out mm. but a lot of people there is like that debate with you know can you teach comedy or not and I. I mean, coming from someone who has taught classes, I haven't I do more workshops now on one on one stuff because I'm just on the road so much. I can't mm-hmm. really commit to like an eight week class. But I could say there are there are tools and there are tricks and there are structures within comedy. But, you know, anyone can learn to play guitar, understanding the the notes and the chords. But uh-huh. I, I mean, there's only one Jimi Hendrix. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm not going to say you're going to become Dave Chappelle. But there are there are like notes and chords within comedy that is true with whoever you are. That the more you can understand those, then the the easier it will be to kind of find your own voice mm. and way. I agree. Yeah,
1: yeah. That was uh, like I said. If if you are a comic, the Hot Breath podcast is just a must listen. It's uh, it's 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 the one, and uh, and then behind the bits. It's it's getting there. It's going to be the one. Uh, it's it's to there be, too, Scott. Maybe, hey man, it's maybe it's the, the process. Two. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, we're you know you're ten in. I'm over two hundred in. So yeah. it's all. It's just a
1: numbers game. It's just keep pumping them out. Yeah, no doubt. Um, final question. Um, who's your dream guest? who do, who do you want to have on that uh, you don't know if you can get, but you're still going to go after them? Steve Martin. All
0: right. S- Steve Martin was my favorite he's one of my favorite comics and he, I just like the versatility of everything he's done from stand-up to writing to even music. He's like a virtuoso Mm -hmm. on the banjo. Like he really is like one of those polymaths who can just do anything at a high level. So he's, he's definitely like my number one, like Steve Martin. And there are others, you know, I mean, Kevin Hart would be great. Sinbad is another comic. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, I mean, we're like, we're one degree from so many people, but it is like (laughs) just remaining patient. And what I've, what I've found through like, especially recently with the podcast is that it's more information driven than guest driven. So I've really taken a step back on like, who's the next big guest, but it's more like, what is the next best piece of content I can share Mm. with the audience? So like, what does the audience want? And how can I help them get it? So I'm really, I, I, st- of course, I'm still aiming for big guests, but that was my only focus, and I thought the guest is what drove the podcast. But it's right. actually the information that's driving it. So exactly, yeah, because there's there's lesser known comics, but their episode is really like really informative, and they have way more listens than like a quote famous comic. Right. So. Right. It's would, really all information driven.
1: Yeah, I would, you know, just in the few I've done, my Stuart Huff episode is the one that I've uh, gone back and listened to several times, just because the stuff he said. I mean, you know, he's he he is he uh, is the um, anti um, fame comic. He doesn't want to be Incredible. famous. He just wants yeah. to do do what he wants to do. But uh, you know, his stuff, his his episode was just just out of this world for me so and that was my second episode so you know that was i know
0: tom dreeson and Stuart huff i'm like geez i got a tough act to follow here (laughs) yeah Stuart's great too yeah i want to get him on hot breath also
1: yeah i'm sure he'll do it it took me about a minute to get him on so (laughs) he's
0: like yep sure i'll
1: do it (laughs) yeah right yeah
0: it's just one of the, this one of those old school comics, you know. He just likes helping other comics. I yeah. just love those people.
1: You no, know, it's amazing how many people have uh, said that uh, he's made a big impact on their life. All, a lot of the comics I talk to, and for sure, and, yeah. Uh, like you, you know, he's a giving person. He wa- he wants people to uh, succeed, and that helps.
0: Oh, I appreciate
1: that. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna make uh, me cry, Scott.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't cry, man. Uh, (laughs) This isn't your wedding. Don't cry. Yeah, don't cry. (laughs) Um, So, Joel, how can people find you?
0: My website is joelbyerscomedy.com. J-O-E-L-B-Y-A-R-S.com. And that's where you can find my schedule. But most importantly, that's where you can find my comedy special, Mm -hmm. The the Trophy Husband. It's at joelbyerscomedy.com. You can also find my podcast on all... Podcast platforms anywhere you listen to a podcast, Hot Breath is on, mm. and we're also on YouTube as well, which has been a, a fun endeavor. We actually just had a Felipe Asparza clip, like wow. eclipse, almost four hundred thousand views on there. So mm. it's all a Hot Breath podcast and joel dot com.
1: Great, and I do know that I've been on your website, and you get you can get to just about everything that uh, you're involved in right from right from there, and that's great. Yeah, and I, I do have a, a comedy writing book as well. We referenced
0: it with one one of my students told me to make my comedy class a book. So that's called The Comics Playbook. And um, if you're interested, go to comicsplaybook.com and you can order it there. Or you can order it directly from me as well if you hit me up on the website or all my social medias, Joel Byers Comedy and at Hot Breath Pod. So just right. search my name and you can find a way to connect with me and I would love to to hear from any of your listeners out there that's my favorite thing with hot breath is when i have a guest and then the guest reaches back out to me and is like whoa i had like 10 people reach out to me mm-hmm. about my episode on hot breath like that's yeah. my favorite um it's my favorite thing when I, the listeners really get out in the streets and start spreading the the hot breath averse, verse yeah. i call it <laughs>
1: Oh, I love that tag. That's a, that's a great tag. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, Joel, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. I, I, I feel like I've learned a lot. Like I said, I took notes. I've got notes here that right. I have to transfer into my notebook and uh, put a couple of them on the whiteboard and all, all, all that kind of good stuff. Um, obviously you're doing great work and I wish you all the luck in the world and I really appreciate what you do. I appreciate you, Scott. Keep up the great work. All right. Thanks, Joel.
0: Woo!